All right, good morning. While they're leaving, does anybody in the adult Sunday school not have one of the workbooks? Anybody not have one? Okay, good. All right. We're going to review very quickly from last week. Um, and here's what I, what I want us to do. This is the uh, plan uh, for, the, for every Sunday school lesson is if you have any questions, write them down as we're going through. Write them in your book. And uh, because if you have the, the question, probably somebody else does, and probably somebody you are discipling will have the same question. So it's good. Write those down, and then we'll, we'll, I'll take questions at the end uh, of each lesson. Um, but if you remember what I said last week, the goal here is not necessarily discipling us here, even though it's, it's good. Uh, if you've never been discipled, I was talking to Brother Josh's uh, brother, David Gross, when he came uh, two weeks ago on Wednesday, I guess, and preached for us, if you remember him. And he talked about the importance of our Bible reading and prayer. And uh, anyways, I was talking to him afterwards, and he, as a missionary of... Josh, how, how many years has he been a missionary? So 14, basically 14 years. Four years of Bible college before that. Grew up in a Baptist church his whole life before that. So eight years of college. 14 years, he's got his master's degree, and he was telling me afterwards, and I think he actually mentioned it during, during his message, that for the last several years, he's been getting discipled by another man, another pastor uh, here in the States that runs or has a discipling ministry. That's what he does. And so I was asking him that because certainly going through college and having a master's degree and then being on the mission field pastoring a church for the last 12, 13 years, you don't need discipled in your doctrines necessarily. You know what you believe. So what are you discipling in? And uh, we had a pretty good conversation about that, that uh, being a disciple is not just learning about the Bible. It's learning how to live your life and how to disciple others. And that's kind of what this lesson, this series is about. It's only 13 weeks long, so it's, we are not going to cover everything in this. In fact, there's very little about the uh, different doctrines in the Bible in this, in this um, discipleship course. If you look at the front, it's, you're really taking somebody who has an interest in Christianity, is what this book is for. And, and, and you could do this with somebody at work. You could do this with a family member. The first couple of lessons lead them to Christ. Okay, so when we're doing this here in Sunday school this week, I'm not necessarily trying to lead you to Christ unless you've just been in church your whole life and don't realize that you're not saved. So, so, but the goal of this is to help you disciple somebody in the future. Okay, so... Most of you in here are going to go through this, this discipleship course one time. We are going to teach this discipleship course often when we have new uh, believers come into this church that we see saved here or people that get saved and start coming to church. And we're going to, run, we're going to go through this discipleship course with them in a different class. But we wanted to go through it one time with everybody to help us 
uh, disciple somebody in the future, okay? So write, write comments down. It's very, very simple fill in the blank here. They're all Bible verses is what we're filling in the blanks for. Uh, so that is not necessarily going to help you when you go to disciple somebody because you can go to your Bible and find that verse. But if you're writing down as we go through here, you know, some, maybe something that somebody else asks and the answer to it, write that down uh, to help you in the future. Now, I, want, I do want us to pay close attention, even if you've been uh, saved and in church for 20, 30 years, your whole life, because I think a big, a big part of why people don't go soul winning, door-to-door soul winning, and why people uh, are very, very happy to jump in and be involved in church serving, but scared to disciple. And I do think, we, me and Pastor were talking about this, a big problem, I think, in, in even our church is, is discipleship. People aren't discipled, and so they are excited and then start to stagnate because nobody's coming alongside and discipling them in what it means to be a Christian. And so that is the goal here, is for us to go, you know what, I can help this newer Christian. If they're a newer Christian than you, then, then you should be helping them. That's what the Bible says, is the goal for Timothy was to teach men so that what? So that they can get to become super strong Christians? No, not necessarily. So they can teach others. So that's the goal, is you're taught not just to be a sponge and soak it in, but so that you can turn around and teach somebody else, okay? So that's the goal here, and uh, I want to review just really quickly um, last week because I was flying through it so quickly, and then I'm going to go through, we're going to start this week's lesson. So we'll review last week, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into this week's lesson. So if you missed blanks or weren't here or any of that, um, I'm going to go through these verses fairly quickly, but you can look, look them up. Um, all the blanks, like I said, are just um, blanks from the Bible verses, okay? So the important thing here with the first lesson was what, what was our condition before Christ saved us? Now, if you come to Christ saying, I'm a pretty good person, why do you need salvation? Okay, if somebody, if you're talking to somebody at work, and you say, hey, you know, if you, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? That's a really pointed question that somebody has to answer. Now, they might not have the right answer, but they have to answer that. So you ask them that question, and they say, well, I think I would because I've been a pretty good person my whole life, or I've been in church my whole life, or whatever. That's the wrong answer. Now, you don't have to say, wrong, but you know in your mind, okay, they don't understand salvation, okay? And that's where uh, we have these books. So if you come across somebody like that, ask them, hey, can we do a Bible study together? If they think, yes, I'm going to heaven because of whatever besides Christ and what he did on the cross, then they are probably somewhat interested or somewhat open to, yeah, I'll do a Bible study. I'll be happy to do that. Now, that's where you get one of these books and go through a Bible study with them. But the first lesson is, what was my condition before Christ saved me? And the first, first one is, we are spiritually blind. And the second one is, we are lost in sin. You ever seen somebody out on the sidewalk that is blind? They have a difficult enough time, right? But imagine being blind 
and lost. You get outside of your normal routine or outside of your normal path. You're lost and you're blind. You're really in big trouble. That's where we were spiritually before Christ. We were blind. And we said that in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this world hath blinded us. So it's not necessarily a, you know, what an idiot. He's walking around blind. Satan's blinding us and the unsaved. But then we're lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then the third thing was we are separated from Christ. That's probably the most, uh, you can be blind and you can be lost, but to be separated from God with no other, there's no way to come to bridge that separation other than what we're going to talk about today, and that's our salvation through Christ. But we were also guilty before a just God. And I, and I wrote this in my margin um, because it doesn't necessarily talk about this in the book, but whether in ignorance or rebellion, it makes no difference. We're still guilty before God. So whether you're purposely rebelling against God in unbelief or you just don't know, you know, somebody in a third world country that just has never heard the gospel. They're ignorant. They're not stupid. They're ignorant of salvation and what Christ did for them. But they're still guilty before God. Um, so we are guilty before a just God. And then we are spiritually dead in our sins. Spiritually dead in our sins. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And we were the servants of sin. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm not sure if I read this or not, but I wanted to. And I think I ran out of time. But turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And this is just review. So if, uh, if you're going, man, he's going too fast. Uh, you'll have to go back and listen to last week's lesson on the, on the live stream. Because I'm just reviewing for right now. But we were the servants of sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Says this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Does the unrighteous mean the bad people or the wicked people or the people that uh, have sinned? No, the unrighteous is those that reject Christ. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, sin cannot get into heaven. And, and I've had this conversation before with uh, people even at their doorstep when you're trying to, to, to walk them through the gospel and you say, you know, sin can't get to heaven. And their question is, then how can anybody go to heaven? We, I know we're all sinners. And that is a good question because Jesus Christ's blood has to cover our, the unrighteous sin, the unrighteous person's sin. So know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Or make no mistake, neither, forni uh, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's a long list of bad stuff. But verse 11 says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's the most encouraging verse, I think, maybe in the Bible. That was you, but you are washed and you are sanctified uh, and ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we were the servants of sin. Not, not just there's some bad people out there. We all were the servants of sin before Christ 
saved us from that. And then the last thing there on, this, on the first lesson was we were headed for the lake of fire. That is the judgment that comes to all that reject Christ. Again, whether in ignorance or in rebellion, that is what comes to all those that reject Christ, this lake of fire. And the verse we had there was Revelation 20:15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Very encouraging verse in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 11, very discouraging verse in Revelation 20, but it's also a, a call to action for us. That is the end for all the unsaved, and it is our job to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, as the song says. So I wrote this at the very end of the first lesson. Um, if a person doesn't agree that this was your condition, then you are not truly saved or regenerated. If you say, I, don't, I was not one of those. But, I mean, I, yeah, I needed to be saved, but I was, what are you being saved from? Your sin and your, your wickedness. And we talked about this, and I'm not going to keep going back, but we talked about we are not condemned before God because of our sins. We are condemned and we sin because we are born sinners. It's in our bloodline. Remember we talked about that? Uh, just like uh, royalty, it's in their bloodline. It's nothing they do to become royalty as a baby. And there's nothing we do, per se, to become sinners. It's in our bloodline. There's nothing we can do about that from Adam. The Bible talks about that. The first Adam uh, sinned. And the second Adam came to save us from that sin. Well, the first Adam, he is our, he's our father. That's where we come from. And so it is in our nature. It's in our bloodline to sin. And so I wrote that. If you don't agree that this is your condition, then you are probably not truly saved or regenerated. In order to be saved from sin, we must see our true standing before God, that we are vile and rebellious. And the Bible even says that. Our righteousness, even our good works in the eyes of God, are as filthy rags. So we are, are vile and rebellious before God. That is our true standing before God. Um, and this is why, this is why, and we're going to get into the second lesson here in just a second, but this is why easy believism, quick prayerism, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Yeah, who wouldn't want to go to heaven, right? So that's not the question to ask somebody when you're trying to lead them to Christ, necessarily. You want to go to heaven? The answer is going to be yes, most likely. Okay, if, they, if you do happen to ask that question, there's nothing wrong with it, but if you do happen to ask that question, the next, uh, your next sentence should not be, well, then you need to pray and accept Jesus because that's easy believism where, uh, and I've seen this in, in, in uh, classes where a teacher will ask that. Everybody head bows, eyes closed. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Yeah, almost every kid in the class raises their hand. Now, it's really difficult to distinguish, okay, who's serious about the next question I'm about to ask. But if you ask somebody, do you want to go to heaven, and then pray after me, now the problem is they think they're saved, and, you, and, and if you're leading someone to Christ or walking them through what it means to be saved, you have to get them unsaved from maybe a false idea of salvation. And that's even harder than trying to explain to somebody that you are vile and rebellious before God. Yeah, but I prayed. Okay, now you have to try to decide, did they mean it? And that's not really for us to decide. So it's very important that when you're leading someone or walking someone through the gospel message that you're 
very clear that they understand before God, you're, you are rebellious and your true standing is, is vile and separated from God. And it's by nature that this is the case. You don't have to say, what, you lied to your parents one time? You're wicked. It's by our very nature that we are wicked. Remember, it's in our blood. It's in our makeup to be sinners. That, that's what makes us a sinner. Okay, and then the last thing I wrote here is the goal or the uh, purpose of salvation is not reformation. It's transformation. We see that in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. If somebody, and you'll see this, people, I'm trying to be a good person. You know, I stopped drinking. I stopped this. I stopped that. That's not salvation. Reform is fine. Good. I'm glad you're trying to be a good person, but that's not going to get you to heaven. So we have to make sure that they're not, that they understand, or we understand, that we're not just trying to reform our lifestyle, but transform, and that comes from the inside out. All right? Now, let's pray real quickly, and we're going to get into lesson number two. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to go through these truths in your word. God, these are the most important truths, I believe, in your word, because it's it's the start of somebody's walk with Christ. It's the start of our walk with you. And without this foundation, uh, as we heard a couple weeks ago, we are not even in the race uh, that you've called us to run. We are, we are spectators uh, cheering on and happy to see people that are in the race, but we are not in the race without this salvation that you've offered to us. And so I pray that you'd help us to understand this, help us as we lead others to you, that we're very clear in our own minds uh, about what, what salvation is and this true gospel that was delivered to us uh, from you and, and down through the apostles, and now we are delivering it to others. I pray you should un- help us to understand it. I pray that you give us a good lesson here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so lesson number two, page 13. Hopefully it's the same in your book. I have a little bit older version, but I think it's just the cover was redesigned. It's, I think it's the same book. But I'm on page 13, and it says, Because we are born sinners... We are already condemned and under God's judgment. Again, what I just said a few minutes ago, it's not because of what we did that puts us under God's judgment. It's because of us being born as sinners. So if somebody, I I heard this one time, and I'll just give you his name because whatever, but Donald Trump was being interviewed, and somebody asked him, pretty pointed question, have you ever asked God to forgive you of your sins? And his response And if somebody responds this way, it'll tell you whether or not they're saved. He said, I try to not to do things I need to be for to ask forgiveness for. And they said, so are you saying you've never sinned? I've been a good person my whole life. And that was his answer. Okay. Donald Trump may be trying to reform his life, you know, with good other influences around him. But that is not salvation. The answer of. I try not to do things that I have to ask forgiveness of God for. It doesn't matter. By nature, you are a sinner and you are in rebellion before God. That is our standing. So if we refuse the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our punishment as sinners is hell. Our religious works, and this is important because a lot of people are depending on these for their salvation. Our religious works, our offerings or our giving, our church attendance, our baptism, or any other good deeds cannot change our sinful condition before God. And why is that? And, I, and I'm going to um, 
Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. We'll get there in a second. But all, we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So baptism, is that, is that good? Yeah, it's good. But that's kind of one of our righteousnesses. It's something we're doing. Uh, our giving, that's good, but it's something we're doing. Our religious works, our church attendance. When God looks at that, he, he doesn't condemn those things. Those are all good things. But if that is our righteousness, it's as filthy rags in God's eyes. Because who is our righteousness? The Bible talks about this. Jesus Christ. Who is our righteousness? And so if our righteousness is all these things that we're doing in God's eyes, they're filthy rags. They're worthless. God displayed his love by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And because of Christ, we can come to God by faith. We can do nothing to earn salvation. It is the gift of God. We must believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And that's important because death is what separates, spiritual death is what separates us from God um, eternally uh, if we reject him. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead and we must ask him to forgive and save us by trusting in him alone as the final payment for our sin. Now, um, because of Christ, we can, come, we can come to God by faith. I think that's very important when you read, and we'll get here in a second, but it's uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And I think when we read this verse, we often say, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. But, and that is very important. If you slow down and read that and look at the punctuation, for by grace are ye saved through faith. So grace and faith is what saves us, right? And that and what? But what is and that talking about? Grace and faith. So that's what I'm saying. When we read this, we know it so well. We say, and that not of yourselves. And that not of yourselves doesn't mean anything. And, and that not of yourselves is saying, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So grace and faith. The grace is not yours, and the faith is not necessarily yours. God gives us the faith that we need to become the sons of God. And he's very clear about that in other verses. Um, and that, grace and faith, is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So the grace and the faith, faith is a gift from God so that we can't boast. So, very important verse. But anyways, that first phrase there, uh, because of Christ, we can come to God by faith, goes along with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Because of Christ, and what he does for us, then we can come to God by faith, and it's not even our faith. It's the faith that he gives us uh, to believe in the Son of God. All right, so we have a couple important terms. Salvation. Pretty, pretty obvious one, but it's the saving of a sinner from the judgment of sin. Condemned, declared guilty as sinners before God. Forgiveness is the pardon or remission of an offense or crime. Atonement, here's one we don't necessarily hear often or don't, maybe don't know the definition of. Atonement is the removal of sin or uncleanness by the blood of Jesus Christ. Justification, and I always learned this as a little kid, justified is being made just as if I'd never sinned. So it's an act of free grace by which God pardons the sinner 
and accepts him as righteous on account of the atonement of Christ. So he accepts him, or he pardons the sinner and makes it look before God as if that sinner had never sinned. He clears all that sin under the blood of Christ. And then propitiation is another tough one we don't hear very often, but it's satisfaction or appeasement specifically towards God. And we'll get to that uh, word in 1 John here in just a second. So the first thing, this is understanding God's salvation. And I, I trust that everybody here understands salvation. But if you're trying to lead somebody to Christ, and I may not have even have finished my statement a minute ago when I said I think the reason people don't uh, like to go soul winning and confront people about salvation is because they don't know how to walk somebody through it. So if somebody was to say, and uh, who, was, who said it? Oh, Pastor Barrick, I think, mentioned this, that somebody came to the church or called the church and said, hey, I want to know how to be saved, and it kind of threw them off. You're not, I'm not, I don't need to argue with him and, and convince him that he's unsaved. Uh, and so I think if you were to stand at the door of somebody and say, you know, just a random person like we were out yesterday knocking on doors and say, are you for sure today if you died, you'd go to heaven? And they said, no, I'm not sure. Would you like to know? Sure. I think a lot of us would, uh-oh, uh-oh, I don't normally get this far, right? And so that's what this is about. This is to, to shore up in your mind and give you something to go back and review so that when you're preparing to go out or preparing to go witness to somebody at work, and I think it's good, the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, leads us at times to, to, hey, I want you to talk to this person when you go to work today. You work with them every single day, and maybe they're interested, maybe they're not, but, maybe, but the Holy Spirit often says, today, I want you to talk to them. And we are not knowledgeable enough. We know what Christ did for us, but we don't know how to walk somebody through. So that's what this is for, is to be able to review this and say, okay, just some basic points for how to show somebody how to be saved. So we must realize that God loves us. And this is different than all, all other man-made religions th whose God's lord over their followers uh, and, and have them in fear. If they don't do, 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 then this is going to happen to you. <clears throat> Our God loves us. <clears throat> and, and, and John 3.16 clearly says that. For God, <clears throat> excuse me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and fill in these blanks as you go, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is since creation in the garden. God loves us. He loved to fellowship with Adam and Eve. He loves his creation. Uh, and John 3.16 is very clear about that. First John 4.10. Okay, here's, a, here's one of our important terms. Herein is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. What is propitiation? The satisfaction or the appeasement towards God. The propitiation for our sins. So, go back to our first lesson. Before God, we as a sinner are vile and rebellious and, and lost and blind and separated from God. And 1 John 4.10 4, tells us, herein is love. Not that, God, that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be that satisfaction. God hates sin. And Jesus Christ satisfies that judgment uh, on our behalf before God. So 1 John 4.10, God loves us. That's why he sent his son. 
Um, anyways, we could say a lot more about that, but, but this is love. We sinned against a perfect holy God, and he sent us a, a gift to be that propitiation, that satisfaction that he requires. But he sent his son to be that propitiation for us. All right, that's the first thing. God loves us. And then we must understand that all of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. That's the important. All of us have sinned. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've been a good, good person, but we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's... that's and you don't want to be mean when we're trying to, to talk to somebody about, about Christ and about salvation. But they have to understand they are part of the all have sinned and come short of that glory of God. So we must understand that all of us have sinned. And you see that illustration there. There were many who sailed on board the Titanic. Some who traveled with very fine accommodations. There was first class and there was the lowest class on the Titanic. They were on the Titanic, but not with all the accommodations. But when the Titanic started to sink, or when it did sink, and when all everything was said and done, there was only two classes of people. Not the wealthy that were lost, they were saved or there was lost. Um, and that's what it says. When the final tally came back to the New York office, they put them in two categories, saved or lost. And it says this, some people may unwittingly be going to hell, first class, thinking they're too good to be punished, but in God's eyes, we are all equally sinful. And isn't, isn't that the case? The worst form of badness is human goodness. That's what I meant by you have to get somebody unsaved before they can be saved, uh, truly saved. They have to realize in God's eyes, Isaiah 64, 6, we are all as an unclean thing. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We are all in that category of all, okay? So that's the important thing. They must understand that all of us have sinned before a holy God. Thirdly, we must recognize that death is the punishment for our sin. And that's John chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. And, and that was one of our important terms. Condemned, declared guilty as a sinner before God. So, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So we're all sinners, we're all lost, and death is the punishment for every single lost person, every single one of us. Uh, and that, that is our punishment. Okay? Uh, and let's see. We'll, we'll finish with we must recognize that death is the punishment for our sin. We have a lot of people out today, so Pastor told me anyways, uh, try to go back over this lesson next week. So we'll get halfway through, and then we'll finish this next week. Uh, we'll review real strong on this next week. But we must recognize that death is the punishment for our sin. When we break a law, the government requires a punishment, it says, or a payment for our disobedience. It does not matter whether we violate a traffic law or whether we commit murder, there's still a punishment. When we disobey God, we fall short of his glory and are destined to eternal separation in hell. What does the Bible say? Um, if, we, if we break the law in one point, if we offend the law in one point, what does it say? We're guilty as if we broke the whole law. Okay? So we all have sinned and death is the punishment 
for that sin. Then that illustration says, if a dog has rabies, it is destroyed. The dog may not have even bitten a victim, but it is still killed. Not because of what the dog has done, but because of the dog is capable of doing. And it is not just the sins we commit that destine us for punishment. It is our sinful nature that condemns us. And we've talked about this. We're going back again to it. It's not just because we sinned that we are going to hell. It's because we are sinners that condemns us to hell. All right, very quickly, uh, and, and I, like I said, we'll finish this lesson next week. There's just a page and a half or so left, and then we'll jump into the third one. But does anybody have any questions or comments that you wrote down maybe as we were going through or anything you want to add uh, to what we've been talking about? Yes, Brother Ryan. Um. Um, you're saying when we're trying to lead somebody to Christ? <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think especially now because of the lack of <clears throat> Bible knowledge and lack of having been in Sunday school. I mean, most people used to grow up in Sunday school, VBS, bus routes, this kind of thing. So when you confront them, as an adult, maybe they aren't saved, but you talk to them as an adult, and they know what you're talking about. They know the Bible stories. They know. Now, I think you have to be so careful with just pushing somebody through uh, to prayer for salvation. Not that they can't be ready, but, but the, the Bible knowledge is so small that they don't even understand. They don't know anything about the Old Testament. They don't know about creation. They don't know about anything. So, Salvation itself is not a process, but bringing somebody to that understanding can be a process, if that's what you're asking or saying. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you can't see somebody saved at their door, but it's much, much more difficult. Um, so, very good. Anything else? Okay, and I wrote this at the... Um, or I, did I write this? No, I think he may have. There it is. That's a quote on, on the page we were just on, verse uh, page 16. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous. It's a gift for the guilty. And this is the important. Salvation is not a goal to be achieved. It's a gift that we receive. So I know he's kind of rhyming there and being, being a little bit cute, but it's very, very real. Salvation is not a goal. The goal is not salvation. The goal, the, 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 it's a gift from God to us. So we don't live our lives hoping for salvation. And Nitin is, is probably watching, and that's fine. I don't think he'd have any problem with me sharing this, but, uh, and we'll close with this. But right before Nitin uh, understood that he was unsaved and asked Christ to save him, me and him were having a conversation, and he was really, really frustrated with his, his dad, who is Catholic, but his dad was having... Um, maybe still does, I don't know, but issues with, with alcoholism and things like that. And uh, he was telling me, I was talking to my dad on the phone, I'm so frustrated with him because he says he's a Christian, but you know he's X, Y, and Z doing this, this, and this. And I was on the phone with him and I told him, at least I'm trying to be saved. You're not even trying. And I said, 
brother, we don't try to be saved. It's a, it's a one-time thing. We accept Christ as our Savior. We're not living our life to try to be saved. And he, he, I'm sure he remembers this. And, and like I said, he's, he's most likely watching this. But I think that kind of was uh, maybe the first time he had heard that. Well, I think there's a lot of Christians out there that are trying for salvation. I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, but that is not salvation. That's what he means by salvation is not a goal that we reach. It's a gift that we receive from Christ. Once we're saved, now James tells us, show me your faith by the works that you're doing. Show me that faith you were given that you received. Show me that faith by your works, but we don't do those works for the salvation. And I know that we know that, but there's a lot of people out there that think well, if I do, 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 if I go to church, if I give, then that is my salvation. And they have to understand that that's not it. That's not salvation. Uh, it's a gift, as we saw in Ephesians 2.8. And that, the grace and the faith, is not of ourselves. It's not by our works, um, lest we should be boasting in our works. All right? We'll close there, and we'll, we'll jump back in there next week. Uh, if you think of any questions through the week, we'll, we'll uh, field those next week. And uh, but let's get ready for our, our next hour. Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for how clear it is and how, how clear salvation is. God, I pray that you'd help us to, to make sure that we know exactly how to explain it to the unsaved, to the lost, to the blinded, the same way that we were. As, as 1 Corinthians tells us, such were some of us, uh, but we were washed. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be able to very clearly explain this to our friends and our family. God, we, see, we want to see them in heaven with us. We want to see them accept you. And uh, as the Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I understand it except somebody should guide me? Pray that that would be us. We'd be guiding people to you um, and, and leading them to, to that everlasting water so they'll never thirst again. I pray that you give us a good hour here in the next service. Pray that you'd be with our pastor as he preaches, that you'd fill him with your power. And uh, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're dismissed.